Welcome to Talking in Vain, a podcast of the Infusion Nurses Society. I'm your host, Dawn Berendt, the Infusion Nurse Educator for the INS. My guest today is Nancy Freites. Without sharing too much information up front, I will say that Nancy is very involved in raising awareness for ALS, also known as amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Nancy has immersed herself in the ALS community as an advocate and thought leader. In the past seven years, Nancy has traveled and networked to offices of CEOs, senators, congressmen, top doctors, and governmental authorities. She has testified in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill, at the White House, and to FDA panel regarding important issues affecting the ALS community. Nancy has developed strong relationships with executives at both the local and national levels of ALS organizations involved in research, patient support, advocacy, and fundraising. Nancy holds a business degree from Boston College and an honorary doctorate in Humane Studies from Endicott College. She presently serves on the Board of Trustees at Endicott College. Her TED Talk on TED.com has been viewed over a million times, and her corporate inspirational speaking has taken her all over the world, including Mumbai, Austria, Sweden, and Australia. Nancy is currently the, on the Chairman's Council of the Board of Trustees of the National ALS Association. Welcome, Nancy. We are happy to have you at INS 2019 in Baltimore as our keynote speaker, and I also want to thank you so much for being my uh, guest on this podcast today. So I've already introduced you. Thank you, Dawn. Oh, you're welcome. I've already introduced you, but I want to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners a bit more about yourself and your work before I start asking questions. Sure. Um, well, thank you for that um, kind introduction. And yes, um, my journey uh, started a long time ago when I met my husband, um, and we both went to Boston College. Uh, we got married right after, um, and in the 80s, had three beautiful children, and we were just the family next door, going to Pop Warner and softball and hockey and Little League. And we worked really hard as entrepreneurs and um, raised our three children. And I have to tell you, in uh, 2010, we high-fived each other when all three, our last and third, uh, graduated college and really felt like we had done our work and uh, were looking towards that, that great time in our lives called retirement. So um, we were just empty nesters and living, living a wonderful life. And our middle child, uh, Pete, had been um, kind of the one that took up most of our time because at a very early age, he actually uh, showed incredible athletic ability. So through the years, um, we traveled a lot with Pete as he excelled in football, hockey, and baseball. And he ended up at a Catholic boys prep school where he played um, all three sports uh, for years hoping to uh, play one of them in college. And then he, uh, his dream came true when he was recruited by our alma mater, B.C., uh, for baseball. He went to B.C. and uh, captained the team in his senior year. Um, he did not, unfortunately, get drafted by Major no. League Baseball, so he ended up going to Europe to play professionally. And when he came home, he um, got a job. 
he moved out of our house and went to South Boston, which is a huge uh, place for kids who go to school in Boston to live afterwards. And um, he was playing in a, a, a league at night uh, for ex, like minor league players or uh, retired M- M- MLB players. And in August of 2011, he was playing in his championship game, and he hadn't been having a great year that year um, at the plate, and the ball came in and hit him in the wrist. And honestly, that's really where um, it is in that moment that our life started to change dramatically. Um, Once Pete got hit in the wrist, it led him to an orthopedic doctor, which eventually led him to a neurologist. And in March of 2012, we were given the diagnosis when he was age 27 of um, ALS. And honestly, um, that's when our life changed in a minute. And my husband and I um, looked at each other, and the diagnosis is uh, a very painful and horrific one you're told that there's nothing they can do and that the patient has two to five years to live. And in that two to five years, um, his motor neurons will die, rendering him with no voluntary muscle usage mm-hmm. and eventually will hit his respiratory system mm-hmm. and he will pass. And, oh, by the way, ALS is 100% fatal. Mm-hmm. So we left that day and... Um, the pivotal moment was that night when uh, Pete actually set the vision for our family that he wasn't going to take this disease lying down. Um, he was going to fight it. And his words were pretty um, unbelievable to me. Um, he told me that we were going to get to work, but he needed me to remember that all the work that we were going to do was probably not going to be in time for him but it would be so that no other family would have to go on this journey. So since literally that day, six hours after diagnosis, my family has immersed themselves in the community. Mm-hmm. And for the next two and a half years, um, we just gathered um, our networks and told them, and, and Pete instructed us, tell everybody about this disease because it had been in the shadows, and mm-hmm. he knew that. So... Two and a half years after his diagnosis, um, he um, a thing called the Ice Bucket Challenge came along, and our family took hold of it and um, worked very hard at it to um, promote it. And as we all know, it became a historic viral movement. And what has happened um, since that day in 2014 is um, as hopeful and as miraculous a story as I could possibly tell. So my work um, is actually a culmination of all the decisions I had made in life. Everything brought me to um, to the work that I do now, which is out, um, doing a lot of keynote speeches, keeping people informed, up to date, inspired by our family's story, and to hopefully keep them involved because hope is at an all-time high in the ALS community, and I enjoy nothing more than to tell people um, how far we've come and um, and just how they can help us get to where we need to go. Mm. 
Wow. You have set the stage beautifully for us to understand, Nancy, who you are, who your family is, and and just a bit about Pete and his his work as well. So let's go back. You mentioned the ice bucket challenge. So tell us a little bit more. How did how did this come up? And did you have any idea how big that ice bucket challenge would become? Well, um, it's a it's a very interesting story. But when I sit back and look at it, it's really not that surprising to me. Um, Again, I'm going to go back to that night of diagnosis. Uh, my son um, was a, a very charismatic, um, compassionate, kind leader his whole life. Um, I had said that he was a great athlete, and he was, which um, afforded him to be on many different teams. And more times than not, he was either um, asked by the coach or elected by his teammates to be the captain. So uh, this was a pattern we had seen um, for, uh, for Pete throughout life. So when he got this disease, he went to all these networks and teams and business associates in college, high school, elementary school friends that he had actually stayed in contact with and told him their story. And one of the most um, common things we would, we would hear from his friends and his network, our parents of them, were how much they were affected by the story. Um, number one, how much they didn't know about ALS. Mm-hmm. Number two, once they understood and went, because and, what Pete would say to them was, I want you to Google three letters, ALS. And then he would say to them, I want you not to cry, not to be fearful, and not to pity me. I want you to join me. And that was his mantra for weeks and months after diagnosis. And honestly, to to today, he still just asks people to join us. So for the two and a half years before Ice Bucket, he was building momentum, and he, he the, the main point is that he was educating a new demographic um, to a disease that was named after, you know, that had become known by Lou Gehrig's disease, mm-hmm. and Lou Gehrig was 1939. Mm-hmm. So it was generation a past that this generation didn't know. So when August um, of 2014 came along, um, it, the Ice Bucket Challenge actually had been around um, on the Internet for about eight months prior to August of 2014. And through different means, um, it came to a fellow ALS patient, young man, Pat Quinn, in New York, who Pete had become very, very close friends with and, and actually been mentoring. And when, it, when Pat passed uh, onto Pat's feed, you know, he said he had his family and friends doing it for ALS, and he contacted Pete because, as Pat has said, he knew what Pete could do with it. Mm. So Pete literally called my husband and I in, and um, what's so amazing about it is that he had lost his ability to speak by then. So he actually uh, schooled us on um, using social media at a high level by typing it with his eyes. 
um, with the eye gazer technology on his screen and basically said, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. And then he told us what he wanted us to do. And when I tell you that within two hours, our feed starting started to see it started to fill mm-hmm. with ice bucket challenges, um, and then eventually it, it absolutely blew up. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so when people ask me to reflect on it, and, and am I surprised? Look, in our dreams we wished it would go where it went. I don't even think we dreamed as big as it, the reality of it. But when I look at the organic nature of it and I look at what my son brought to the table, it's not so surprising um, because we really do believe, and Pete more than anybody really does believe that this is why he was put on this earth and why he was given the skill set and the gifts. That, that he had been given. Mm. Wow. Okay. So through your advocacy, you have met and spoke with many people all over the world. Can you tell us about one of your most memorable experiences? Um, sure. Um, I, I do have to preface it that uh, the most profound and the most heartwarming um things, people that I've met are the ALS families and the ALS patients that I've had the honor to meet all over the world. And um, probably the one that really sticks in my head and the one that's most memorable is I was asked to um, travel around Australia. Um, Australia had a lot of success with Ice Bucket and the MND uh, motor Neuron Disease Association, which um, ALS um, was called in Europe. It's now m- more commonly called ALS, but they had asked me to come to Australia and and speak. And so we had been in a couple of cities, and we ended up in Sydney um, on the last day, um, the last leg of our trip in Australia, and we walked into the um, hotel that they were putting us up in, and there was this young girl standing waiting to check us in. And before I could even get my name out, she looked at me and she said, you're Nancy and John Frady's. And I looked at her. Now, I'm in Australia, the complete other side of the world. And I said, "Um, yes, yes, we are. And she said, oh, she goes, I've been waiting for you. She said, I asked my manager if I could check you in you see, my dad died of ALS, and the fact that Pete's parents are here, my family just wanted to make sure that I met you and I thanked you for all that you've done. Mm. And with that, she handed me a small gift, and I opened up the gift, and it was a picture of the staff of the hotel in Sydney doing the ice bucket challenge. (laughs) And... That story really, um, I have to tell you, it's stories like that that happen um, often and, and like that that keep me going. Um, it's, it's seeing the difference that what the ice bucket did that a lot of people, you know, the facts and the figures are great, and I'll be sharing all those at the conference, and, and they are 
tremendous when when um as i as I tell them they're fun to tell they're they're amazing they're stupendous they're they're everything but to get the thousands of emails and letters that that from families and patients who basically said the same thing, we now have hope mm. we we had no hope it was none, and I know that because in twenty twelve we had no hope. Um, it was a paradigm shift in, in this disease space. And um, to, to meet people that have, whose lives have been changed, I mean dramatically changed because of Ice Bucket, is, um, is truly the gift. You know, I, it's hard for me to even interrupt you to ask another question, Nancy. Um, your, your, your discussion is so meaningful. I'd like you to share with us uh, about the Pete Frady's Family Foundation. Um, tell our listeners a little bit more about that foundation and how we might be able to donate. Sure. So we have just recently... Um, to be perfectly honest with you, we never wanted to get in the um, 501c3 business. Mm-hmm. That wasn't um, that wasn't anything our family wanted to use our time doing, or um, just with everything that comes with that. But an opportunity um, came to us, which which I'll um, tell you about, which um, kind of alleviated all that external time that we we were going to have to put in it. So. You know, we look back at Ice Bucket and we look at um, the advances and what is going on in the world of ALS since then as far as the research, um, the research arena, which, which again, I will, I will share a lot of that um, when I speak. Um, but at the same time, we would come home at night and, and we would have our son here. And... Um, Pete was put on a ventilator uh, four years ago, and his disease has not stopped progressing. Just to give you mm-hmm. some context of, of the, the advanced level that Pete is in, um, Pete has uh, beaten up septic, septus three times and pneumonia eight times, wow. which is, um, I attribute it, number one, to his sheer will and determination which is driven by his beautiful wife, uh, Julie, and his four-year-old daughter, Lucy. But um, right up there with that is the level of care that, um, that we will not waver from, that we have. It's a, it's a very high level of care that we have here for Pete. Um, we have um, given um, them, you know, just they've really been the lifesaver here mm-hmm. for him. So while we're out there advocating and and raising money as much as we can, we have become very um, sensitive to not only the the emotional uh, burden but the financial burden that um, keeping an ALS patient in the home um, puts on a family. And I know firsthand that many ALS patients make life decisions life and death decisions based on this financial burden. And, and that means that um, there, is, there are many, many ALS patients who choose not to, get, to go on a ventilator. Um, you know, a lot is because of quality of life, but 
um, many choose because of the financial burden to take care of them that would that would be put on the family. So we've created uh, the Pete Brady's Family Foundation to offer tax-exempt um, status to um, donors who want to give to help keep AL, progressed ALS patients in the home. Um, you see, as it, I'm going to reflect back on Pete's words that night, done in the area of um, research and fundraising for research um, is not going to be in time for the people who are living with it today. And so we um, wanted to help um, on the care side of, of our disease, and we look um, for that to be a legacy piece for Pete. So once um, we, we get funded and we, and we start um, really getting um, the funds to the level that we feel comfortable with, uh, we will be um, giving out grants to um, families um, and their nursing companies so that they can either for respite or for just assistance, um, you know, bring the quality of care that they require um, into the home so that the patient can be surrounded by that. We, we firmly believe that. Um, the, the thing that is most important to understand about Pete is that Pete lives. He's, he's a patient living with ALS. Mm. And, and, and that's a huge change. That's a huge mindset change in our community is no longer are people dying from ALS, which is, was the standard. But today, with all the advances that have been made in assistive technologies and, and therapies and drugs that are um, coming, um, patients will be living longer, actually, with ALS. And so we, we see an increased uh, demand and an increased need for financial assistance um, more in the future just because they'll be living, you know, that two to five years. We hope to change that by decades. Wow. So um, the Pete Brady's Family Foundation can be accessed through a platform that we have partnered with. Um, you can go to www dot spot fund s p o t f u n d dot com backslash pete p e t e and what will come up is our story and um, you can donate right there online or you can mail a check into spot fund um, because as I said they're um, handling all uh, the back office shall we say, of, of the 501c3 for us as far as the fundraising and the paperwork that goes along with that. So um, spotfund.com backslash P is where you can access more information. Okay. And we'll include that in our show notes for today's podcast as well. So our listeners will be able to okay, um, have that link. Wow. Okay. Great. Let's let's uh, talk about something else that's kind of on the forefront. Um, I understand that um, Pete's story is uh, going to be featured in a Netflix film, and um, I wanted you to share some about that with us. And um, you know, have we gotten to the point where we're uh, naming you know the the artists who will be uh, portraying you and your son, your family, uh, and, and the characters involved. So, yes, it is 
it's um, it's very exciting. Um, about a year and a half ago, um, the, a New York Times bestselling author actually wrote um, our family story in a book called Ice Bucket Challenge, uh, the Pete Brady story, and um, it's it's been uh, picked up and bought by Netflix, and it the movie is going to be produced by Casey Affleck, and we hope that it will really start filming sometime in 2019 or early 2020. Um, the, they're tossing around a lot of people's names. <laughs> um, so it, it, we're kind of removed from that, but we have been asked, which is very interesting that you asked the question, um, who we could see playing ourselves, and I think that gives them some insight. And... Um, so to be honest with you, one name has been tossed around by almost every single person who knows me, and um, it's Marissa Tomei, and I oh. believe it's because I think people look at me as the, the quintessential Italian mom, even though my last <laughs> name is Brady. Um, I have four grandparents from Italy, and if you had a camera on me as we're having this conversation, you would see my hands moving as I'm speaking <laughs> to you. So... Um, I think that um, they, that a number of people have said that they think um, that she might be the, the right person. So we'll see. <laughs> oh, that's fun. That's fun. Uh, I, I'm uh, really looking forward to that. So, Nancy, we're going to start wrapping things up here today. I have one final question for you. And um, it, sure. with as much as you've already talked, I, I can't believe there's going to be more, but I, I expect there's more. So your family seems to be a very determined group. Uh, so I'm going to ask you, mm-hmm. what is the Freddy's family working on for the future? So, the, you know, as, as I mentioned, uh, the Family Foundation will be um, our, our legacy for Pete. And that will be something that we will be, you know, donating more time to as we go further and as more therapies um, become available to patients that will be life extending, we'll we'll really be ramping that conversation up. Um, In the meantime, um, we're very excited to be working very closely with um, a new center at uh, Mass General called the Healy Center for ALS, um, which a large endowment was made to start this center just within the last uh, six months. And what we find um, most wonderful about this is that they're going to be um, implementing a new clinical trial design um, for ALS. They're actually fashioning it off of a design that's used in oncology that accelerates the clinical trial process to get it to the patient much quicker. Because as you can well imagine, in our disease, um, money is a huge piece, but time is is very much um, Mm. something that we can't afford to waste. We work very closely with that. We work very closely with another organization called Hope Loves Company, which was founded by... um, a woman who lost her husband to ALS when she had two very small children. Um, Her journey is phenomenal in that she married a widow of an ALS patient who also had small children. They've now raised their children, and they are empty nesters, and they have started Hope Loves Company, 
which right now is in seven states in the United States. We hope to get to 50 states, and they run a camp for children of ALS mm. so that um, children can come together and, and share their emotions and their pain um, with other kids that can, can understand because ALS is a very visible disease. Um, it's, it's um, you know, we're getting questions from from our, we have four grandchildren under the age of six, and they've never known Pete to be um, anything but um, what he um, projects today. But but they ask questions like, why why doesn't Uncle Pete talk, or why doesn't my daddy walk, or those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So we're we're um, we're hoping to work with them to get that in 50 states, and we also work with a residence here in. Massachusetts, which has 20 ALS patients living under one roof. Um, it, it, it's, it's a certain population which, for whatever reason, families, it's almost the opposite of our foundation. It's for families that can't, for some reason, keep a patient in the home, and, um, and they bring them in, and, and they live an independent living with a high level of care. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have sprinkled our sprinkled ourselves into as many aspects of this disease because, honestly, each one that opens up and is revealed to us, um, we find that we we want to get involved um, to use the platform that we're at now to help all different areas of this horrendous, most complicated disease because we truly believe that this is the time. This is our time. This is ALS's time. Mm -hmm. And hopefully future, they won't be here anymore. Wow. Nancy, it would be so easy to just keep talking today, but I think we need to save something for your keynote address. Um, Sure. We really look forward to seeing you at our national conference, INS 2019 in Baltimore in May. I know that, you know, when you speak then, you're going to tell us what it's like from a family perspective to to work with uh, families who are dependent on infusions and devices and infection prevention. You're going to give us that whole inside story and really touch our hearts with, you know, the the work that we do, the things, the very things that are in our hands. Um, so we look forward to that. Um, we are so appreciative and thank you for your your frank, your honest, your genuine. Uh, discussion with us today. Oh, thank you, Dawn, for having me, and I look forward to seeing everybody in May. Okay. So this concludes today's session of the INS podcast, Talking in Vain. Thank you so much for listening.